and welcome to Matt and Kevin Talk Church, two pastors, two old friends from two different denominations on two different coasts talking about faith, culture, the Bible, and the ins and outs of church ministry. I'm Matt Curtis, pastor of Decision Life Church and Evangelical Free Church in Wairika, California. And I'm Kevin Sheehan, the associate pastor of Reformed Presbyterian Church, a PCA church in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the podcast. Well, hey, today is August 21st, 2020, and it is that time of year when kids are getting ready to go back to school. I know our school was supposed to start this coming Monday. They've actually pushed it back a week because of all the complications, but it's also the time of year that college students say their goodbyes and say goodbye to mom and dad and head off to college, some for the first time. It's actually the case uh, this morning with my coworker, our director of children's ministries, uh, Amy. She took her, her youngest child off to college for the first time this morning and I was texting her and I think she was getting teary-eyed and trying to you know keep it together I'm just trying not to be bitter that you have co-workers I'm just <laughs> I'm just kind of going what what's that but but anyway it... so so it's a you know it's a big day for the Weaver family and uh and we just thought this would be a good time for Matt and Kevin to not only talk church but also talk college I guess and give a little bit of college advice but yeah. You know, before we get into that, don't don't change that dial. That's an old phrase from pre-podcast years. Don't change that dial because we're not just going to talk to college students or college parents. Um, really talking to all of us and just some principles that I think we can all use and some reminders that we can all use, although there are some specific application to college students. So right. that being said, we should probably give a quick preface to say like, how many of these did we actually take to heart ourselves when we were in college? Uh, well, I think my list anyway is stuff I wish I'd thought about when I was like that age. And, you know, I did, I did college ministry as well. And so I just saw, you know, working with college students, it, it gave me a framework to think about some of these things. But for sure, uh, there are a few of these that when I was 18, I wish I had considered. Yeah. Yeah, me as well. The first one, I think for me anyway, is uh, so I majored in creative writing because I had this idea that I was going to be a novelist. And uh, the only thing really standing in my way was talent. Um, and and I have to say, uh, if, if I could do it all again, I, I would have minored in creative writing and majored in something like marketing or journalism or literally anything else that that that, that that would have given me some kind of marketable skill and so i would say if you're if you're 18 and you're heading to school or you're a sophomore and you're starting to think about what your major is going to be i would say uh, major in something that will give you a marketable skill and minor in something you love so you, you love you know dance awesome uh, minor in it or at least if you're going to major in English, let me just say this, get a teaching credential or something right. that right. will enable you to, you know, put food on the table because is romantic. Like, and again, it's as romantic as the notion is knowledge for knowledge's sake and all that. It's that's great, but you can't eat it. And you're spending a lot of money to do it. Yeah. And yeah. to, to paraphrase Will Hunting. Yeah, you dropped a hundred thousand dollars on education you could have gotten for a buck fifty in late fees at the public library. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that would be, and I know, I know, I don't know how well you followed that advice, Kevin. <laughs> that when oh, you were not at all. No, no. Yeah. I, I wish someone had told me this. Well, 
probably somebody did and I just ignored them. Right. But you know, for a while I was a geology major. I forgot that. If I would have stuck with that, I'd probably have a job after college, but instead I was a philosophy major. And so I was therefore pretty well unemployed for a while. Yeah. Major and getting a job, monitoring something you love. You're spending a lot of money in essence to be trained to do something. Make sure you have a job at the other end of it. Now, yeah. again, like it's sort of this tension of real life where it's like we, we have real life responsibilities and bills to pay. And yet we also want to sort of promote learning for learning's sake. Like I, yeah. like I think we should all be lifelong learners. Yeah. And in that sense, even when we're out of college, we should be minoring in the things we love. Like yeah. best time, spend time yeah. in whatever pursuits you have, whether it's, you know, whether it's academic or whether it's otherwise. Right. So, so the principle is, listen, you, you got to be responsible and do things like buy life insurance and work hard at a job that's maybe not your favorite thing, but that's most people. Very few people get to work in a job that they're like, hey, this is my life-giving thing. But then you're going to have to find other ways of finding things that give you life and uh, are good, that just enables your soul to breathe. And so I think that's where having a healthy balance of working hard, but having hobbies that are edifying and aren't just sort of you vegging out and doing nothing, but uh, fill you up in some way is important. And so I think that's the principle. Yeah. Okay. So next one, take advantage of a unique time of life to broaden your experiences, whether that means educationally, socially, geographically, whatever. So if you're going off to college or your kids going off to college, take advantage of this time. Like it is, it is just sort of a cool and unique time of life and you have opportunities to experience things that you'll never have again. Take advantage of it. So that might mean like educationally, like take, take classes that are not necessarily in your wheelhouse just because. So a great way to do that is you find friends who had a teacher that they just loved and thought was a brilliant teacher and take something from that teacher, even if it's not your, the subject isn't your thing. Right. Because that, I mean, again, good teacher, a good teacher makes all the difference. And so if someone's teaching a class in um, botany and that's not your thing, but the teacher's excellent, take it. You never know. You might get opened up to like a lifelong interest because of a, a teacher inspires you to do that. And so um, that's, a, that's a great way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of the same thing is with reading books or reading magazine articles or whatever. Sometimes like just go find good writing. Yeah. And don't worry about what the subject matter is. Yeah. I mean, there was a time when I subscribed to the New Yorker magazine. I don't anymore. Magazine kids were these things that were made from paper and glue. And no, no. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and part of it was just because it's just good writing. I didn't always agree with it or whatever. But I remember reading an article on like oyster farming. And I thought, this is the dumbest thing. I'm, I'm not interested in this. And I just read the article. I'm like, it's just a fascinating, it's just a well-written well done, interesting article. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I, to this day, have no interest in oyster farming, but it just kind of opened me up to a different experience. And it was just a well-written, enjoyable article. In the same way, like, take advantage of things um, that, are, that are right there, that, that just broaden your experience. You have a unique amount of opportunities to do so while you're in college. Yeah. And, and even after you're in school, um, seek out opportunities to read or listen to or expose yourself to perspectives that are outside your normal stream. I think there's just a major problem with echo chambers today. 
for me, that looks like I read outside my theological stream a lot. I try and do one third, two thirds. At least one third is stuff that is outside my theological perspective um, to refine my thinking and to see the holes and blind spots I have. And so I think that principle carries throughout your life. Now, in college, you have time and space that you're not going to have later. Later, you'll have to be much more intentional about it. But form that habit and value now and carry it with you when you're done. Yeah. Well, hey, next one, it's kind of piggybacking off that a little bit is learn to be okay with being in a crowd and not just, I don't just mean like in a crowded room, but learn what it is to be in a diversity of people. Learn, learn what it's like to share life, whether it's in the dorm or in the classroom or in whatever club you're in with people that think differently than you or look differently than you or sound differently than you or, you know, whatever it is. But the, you know, college more than most places is a nice melting pot. Uh, So it is, it is an opportunity to just expose yourselves to different, different people as well. And for you to learn how to, um, well, as Paul says, to be all things to all people, not, not that, not, not that you're a chameleon, but right. you just know how to interact. You know how to talk to people in a way that's kind of winsome and you can just enjoy other people, even if they're a wide variety of strangely different ideas and thoughts and, and preferences and enthusiasms. In fact, I would say get your head around that that's what it's going to be like if you're headed off to school because you're not going to have a choice. Like you're living together, you're eating together, you're doing all this stuff together. That is not true at any other time of life. You're going to have to do that or you're going to find yourself frustrated you'll tend to isolate yourself if if you don't figure that out. Um, but I would say to be really open to that. You're not right about everything. I mean, unless you are. Well, I mean, I know your experience was that you were that that was not my particular experience, but like you're leaving your house for the first time and you're going to be exposed to new ways of doing things, little things like even, you know, you're in a room, you've got a roommate who loads the dishwasher different than you. And you'll just be like, that's really weird. I mean, so it's, it, 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 it's everything. And he, here's why this is important. Most of you listening, if you're not married, probably will be at some point. And figuring out how to live with people different than you is critical if you're going to figure out being married. Because as I'm fond of saying, being married is two people who are very different both of whom, by the way, are sinners coming together in sort of train wreck-like fashion. Just this beautiful picture of marriage. Well, it is, though. It is, though, because it requires that you apply the gospel to your relationship all the time. Uh, Okay, okay. and, And so get practice at applying the gospel to your relationships while you're at school and while you're even beyond in your single life with your roommates, et cetera. I would yeah. say with this one, I did a good job at this my first two years or even three years of school and not so much in my last three years of school. Yes, I, I know how to do math. In other words, like when I, when I got to college, I was 650 miles from home. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And I was you know, obviously forced to, to be there. And there was just a whole bunch of different people that I, kinds of people that I just were, were not really all that familiar with. Uh, so, so it kind of, it forced me um, to, to sort of figure that out, how to navigate life and how to navigate mm-hmm. friendships and relationships uh, in my dorm and, and wherever else that were just really different, especially since you're living there, not just like going to school for a few hours and coming home. Right. 
So that, that was really good for me. I think by the, my later years in school, I had, you know, you find your group of friends, you move off campus, your, your bubble gets a lot smaller. And that's okay. And that's, like, that, that is okay. Yeah. I, I'd say by the end of school, I was much more in a, in a bubble that was kind of my own creation. And so I think I, I lost some of that. But then after college, and I was sort of out in the working world again, I, I kind of regained that. And I had to learn again um, how to do this or learn at a new level in the working world, you know, in the workforce, in an office environment, and, and with people who, uh, you know, I was in Colorado at that point, and, you know, with people who largely had pretty different views than I did on a number of issues. Uh, but to figure out how to, you know, how to live and work and have friendships and and just navigate all that again as sort of a grown up instead of a, as a college student is a really, is really good for me. You know, I had my moments of, you know, fumbling through that, of course, but, but yeah, I think we need to learn how to do that. That there is a certain skill to that. And when you're out of the house away from mom and dad and you're 18 and you're on your own or whatever it is, then uh, in some sense you're forced to do that, but you can also move toward it more deliberately as others tend yeah. to kind of shy away from that and just try to find a bubble and not necessarily fully engage. You know, part of it, part of the problem with that, just from sort of a biblical and evangelical in terms of evangelism point of view, is Paul says, look, you got to learn how to be all things to all people. Like Paul learned how to speak to all different groups of demographics and socioeconomic people. Yeah. You know, if you're a Christian, um, you're called to be salt and light to all people, all, all your neighbors. And so there's a certain skill set you need to be able to do that well. Yeah. Uh, to, to understand how to reach people and, and speak with people where they're at. Yeah. Agreed. So the next one is in some ways kind of an antithesis to that last one. Uh, and in some ways not. But learn to be okay with being alone. Learn how to hike your own hike. What I mean by that is just simply there are going to be times when you're the only one in the group who thinks a certain way, or acts a certain way, or has certain values, has certain beliefs. And there's going to be tremendous pressure to fit in. And that's true, honestly, like when you're 15, 19, or 43. Like that doesn't yeah. really ever go away. Yeah. And so you have to, at some point, learn to be okay with being alone. Learn to be okay being the odd one out, being the oddball, and just be, yep. just be okay with that. You can still do the previous one and be in a group of people and be, have, and be friends with them and also be okay with being like, hey guys, you know what? I'm just going to set this one out. Well, that's where wisdom and discernment comes in. Like that's why it's so important um, to know which things are things like, okay, I'm going to stand alone and which things are going to go. Maybe I have this wrong. And so I, I think you, you only get that by doing it and by asking God for wisdom. I think those are the two sort of ways to manage that. So uh, I would agree that you, get used to having your ideas challenged and have, and have the courage to stick to your guns when it's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a really practical thing that, that might look like in college is, Hey, everyone's going, everyone in your dorms going out drinking. Look, you want to be friends with these people. You want to have relationships with them. You want to be able to interact in their lives. Yeah. But that might mean going out with them. That doesn't mean you have to go drink. Yeah. It might just mean being able to say, Hey guys, I'd love to come out with you, but you know what? I'm not going to drink, but I'm going to be there and we'll hang out. We'll have fun. Or maybe I'm the designated driver or whatever it is, but you can still yeah. be a part of their lives without indulging all of their behavior. Yeah. Agreed. So uh, the next one, and this is, uh, I think I saw this a lot when I was in school, 
don't go home every weekend. Like uh, for a lot of kids, they go to college and then they go home every weekend. And what that robs you of is being part of that community and blooming where you're planted. If you're going to go away to school, if, the, if you're going to have that experience, then go away to school. Now, if you're living at home to like going to a junior college and that's a different sort of scenario and you have to find other ways to be part of the community you're in and be intentional about that. Um, but I would just really resist the temptation to go back to what's familiar um, and bloom where you're planted, be a part of the community that you're in. Yeah, we are kind of coming at this with a presupposition that you're going away to college and not doing right. the community college route or whatever. Which is a totally awesome way to do it, by the way. We're not saying well, that's right. Not I was just going to yeah. say, like, this isn't this isn't sort of a go away to college versus go to community college sort of idea. Right. That's not what we're saying at all. In fact, I think there's really good reasons. And I think if I had to do it all over again, I would give a lot more credence to uh, doing a, a less traditional route than the way that I took and going off to you know state school and blah blah blah. But if you do go away, then then go away <laughs> yeah, and, and stay there and, and force yourself to be a part of the community wherever you're at. Yeah. And that's, again, if we're looking outside of college, if we're just looking at the adult years and moving on, again, the principle there is, you know, you live somewhere where you have neighbors, you live in some sort of community, dig into that. Don't just be so selective in where you spend your time that you ignore just where you've been planted, like where God has you. Yeah. Super important. And that the older you get, the more intentionality that requires. Yes. Especially once you get kids in the mix, it gets exceedingly more complicated. Um, you, you've just got to be on purpose doing that. And if you don't start doing that on purpose when you're young, you're not going to suddenly develop it when you have a job and kids and your lawn needs to be mowed and all of it. So learn that habit early if you can. Well, last one for the students out there and really for all of us. And yes. the most important, I would argue. Yeah, find and commit to a church. Wherever you are, find a church, even if it's not like the best church, and commit to it, even if there's no other college students there. Honestly, I've heard wonderful stories of people like finding a church in college that they were like the youngest person in the room by 50 years, yeah. and, they, and they loved it, and they had a wonderful experience. Um, yeah. That wasn't my experience, but still, find and commit to a church. and and don't just rely on like a campus ministry, you know, I mean, obviously we're sort of saying this with the presupposition of you want to be intentional about your faith and growing in your faith. Like if you're listening to this podcast, that's where, that's probably where you are. Uh, maybe not, yeah. but whatever. So presuming that you're trying to grow in your faith while you're in college, find and commit to a church. Let me just make this caveat. We're not like anti-campus ministry. We're not, you know, both of our wives work for a large, you know, campus ministry organization. And both of us had really rewarding experiences in a campus ministry. Yes. But, but one of the challenges to like after college is church does not operate like that. And fellowship doesn't operate the way it does in a campus ministry. And the, the same sort of obligations to each other don't exist in a campus ministry. And again, nothing wrong with that experience. If you have one on your campus, by all means, get involved in it. But what I would say is this, if you only have time to be involved in either a church or a campus ministry, be involved in a church because that is going to serve you for longer and develop habits and rhythms in your life for longer than your campus ministry will. 
And so I would say that. And let me just add uh, this one piece of it, just given the weird season we're in. If you are in an area where you are able to attend a church in person, do it. I mean, assuming you can do it safely, you're not autoimmune compromised, you're not going to expose elderly grandparents or whatever sort of other safety issues there are. Assuming all of that is not an issue for you, um, go in person because I think being a part of a body and receiving the word is meant to be an embodied incarnational, incarnational experience. And, and this is important, you don't just go to receive the word, you go to minister to others while you're there. And you can't do that from your dorm room or from your sofa or from wherever. Um, you cannot uh, obey all the one another's if there are no one another's to one another. Find a church, commit to it, serve there, um, whether it's handing out bulletins or teaching Sunday school or whatever it is. Find an older saint at that church who will pour into you um, and, and help you get involved in church life and just show up. I'm telling you, in a lot of those places, just having college students show up and be part of the body is, in a, is a giant shot in the arm and a ministry to that congregation. Mm-hmm. So, so go and be a part of that and uh, be all in while you're there. Well, good. Hey, let's take a little break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk to the parents of college students. So parents, you're not off the hook here. We're going to come back and talk to you in just a minute. Hey, we're back. We're talking church, but we're also talking college. We're talking sending kids off to college, what you should be doing while you're in college, but really what we all should be doing in college, out of college, in season, out of season. I'm rambling. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. All right. So we're going to talk to the parents now for a little bit, kind of shift gears. This is for all the parents who are sending their kids off to college. Or will soon or in the next few years. And and your weepy and your melancholy and nostalgic and... And your, yeah. pa- and your children are just like, oh, good grief. Just let me yeah. go. Anyway, this is for you. So yeah. number one, learned, learn to let go. <laughs> there we go. Let go. There's a principle here that's a biblical principle that's, that goes far deeper than any sort of secular learn to let go sort of thing. Right. Children are the Lord's, right? In an ultimate sense, a million years from now in heaven, your children are not going to be your children. They're going to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. They're the Lord's. That's good. You have a particular task while on this earth and while they are on this earth. You're to steward them. You're to raise them. You're to do all these sorts of things for them and with them. But they're not really yours in any kind of ultimate sense. And so if that's true, then your plans for them are not necessarily God's plans for them. And they're not necessarily their plans for for themselves either. Yeah. And so you need to learn to be okay with that. Now, it's easy for me to say because, you know. Your kids are small. My yeah. kids are five and three, you know. Yeah. But there is a kind of a sense, and, and, I would, and I would guess most parents, I can only guess, but most parents, as they look back over the years, letting go is sort of a, uh, a process, mm-hmm. right? Like we send our firstborn to kindergarten this year. We have to let go a little bit. Now we're letting go for a couple hours a day. Yeah. But, you know, like as kids get older, we let go more and more and more. Right. As they go and kind of do more things and have other people in their life and they're doing other extracurriculars and whatnot. Yeah. So I think part of what happens a lot of times is uh, 
when our kids are small in elementary school and in grade school, and even in middle school to some degree, we parents get accustomed to like controlling their environment because um, we want to keep them safe. And there's a sense in which that's right. And the whole safety and idol of safety is a whole other podcast that we should talk about some other time. Um, But as you get older, as your kids get older, your role moves from keeping them safe to helping them be good citizens and keep themselves safe. And so I was talking about this idea with my brother. He, he's got uh, three boys who are 15, 13, and 10. And uh, he's talking about that tension between when they're small and they're not obeying, you pick them up and move them to where they're going to be. And, you know, Cole's 15 now. And so that's not <laughs> going to work. And so he's got to move from control to influence. What's so important, and this is the thing, before you launch your kids to college or to the workforce or to whatever's next for your kid, if you want to continue to have an influence, you've got to steward the relationship when they're young. It can't be all control and domineering all the time. There's got to be a gradual way where you're moving from control to influence. That becomes especially true once they're out of your home. Like You're not going to be able to make your kid go to church. Like you're just not, but you can, but you can help them see why that's important and what the potential pitfalls and consequences are if they don't go like what having those rhythms absent from their life can mean in the long term. You're not going to be able to pick like what friends they're hanging out right now. You know, my daughter, we have some control over that. We had a conversation the other day where she's like, you can't tell me who my friends can be. And I was like, well, right now a little bit I can um, because this kid isn't good for you. But hopefully, um, I'm putting enough money in the relational bank that in the future, when I don't have a say, she's going to choose well, and I'll be able to have influence. And so that's really what we mean by letting go. Not that you're like, well, good luck, because nobody's like, <laughs> n- nobody wants to do that. Be warm and be um, fed. Right. But, but it's, moving towards, it's moving towards having an influence and just the relationship changes. And, he, and here's the last thing I would say about this before we move on. The relationship is going to change and it's okay to grieve that. Like you go from being parent or authority and, you know, subject of authority to it, begin, it becomes a more of a peer relationship uh, as time goes on. And that's that that transition is hard and weird and you're not going to do it well all the time. And that's okay. Uh, And it's okay to be sad that it's changing, but that, but after you're done being sad, get over it and get on with the next thing. Cause the next part I think is better. Yeah. There are seasons of life and there are seasons of relationships and that's a big change. Obviously when, you know, little Johnny goes off to school for the first time, but uh, and there's going to be an awkward grieving period. That's fine. Yeah but it does need to change. Yeah. Maybe not even change. It needs to progress and develop. Yeah. Well, hey, so the next one is parents, let them succeed. Uh, let them let them try things that they like. Let them live the life they want to live. Let them love the things that they want to love. Let them go for it. You know, if they want to study whatever they want to study, if they want to travel where they want to travel, just let them do that. Let them succeed. Let them try. Right let them gain a vision for their own life and let them help them to understand. Maybe you can help them or just let them understand who they are and how God has wired them so that they can best succeed. And, you know, succeed can be defined pretty broadly here, whether it's 
you know, financial and job success or whether it's just success in terms of becoming who God has meant them to be so that they right. find themselves in a place where they are, you know, most useful in the kingdom of God. Yeah. There are ways that we can sometimes hinder people from doing that Yeah, for all sorts of different reasons. But I think part of our job as parents is to help them figure out how to succeed. Well, and not only help them to succeed, but figure out what success looks like and is for them and defining, helping them define that. Because like what success looks like for me and what the thing, what my goals and dreams were are going to be very different than what Katie's life wants to be like, you know? And so, and being okay with that. Yeah. So for some of you, like college isn't even in the cards for your kid. And you know what? That's all right. There, there, there may be a different like path and plan for them and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, all these things have nothing really to do with college. I yeah. mean, even like letting them go. It doesn't necessarily mean letting them go to school. It's just letting them go. They're 18, they're on their own or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, let them succeed, whatever whatever that is for them. Whatever it is they want to pursue. Just help them figure out, yeah, exactly. What, what does that mean? What do I really want to pursue? What will give me satisfaction and joy in the long term? What will be pleasing to God? Help them figure out those questions. And then don't become indignant when either they succeed more than you did or just take on different pursuits than you did. Yeah. Maybe you wanted them to be this and that and the other, and they decided to be something else. Yeah. That's okay. That's part of letting go, but it's also part of letting them succeed. Yeah. So finally, kind of the flip side of that is they're going to make mistakes. Let them fail. Yeah. Your 18-year-old who's going off to college or entering into um, the workforce, his or her front frontal lobe is not fully developed. <laughs> and so, like... They're going to make bad choices. They might major in something dumb like philosophy. Hey, hey now. Or English. Like that might be what happens. And you know, that's all right. They'll learn from it. They'll learn from it. If you try and like cut off all of the other uh, opportunities to mess it up and learn from it, you, I think you're really handicapping them in the long run. There's a saying in the skiing world. And I'm sure it's not unique to skiing. But it simply says, if, if you're not falling, you're not learning. You know, like if you ski a day and you never fall during the course of the day, you probably aren't pushing yourself. So you're probably not really learning. Whereas if you're, if you're pushing it, you're really striving, well, you're going to take a tumble or two. Yeah. That's okay. I see my boys at the end of the day and they're, you know, they've got skinned knees and grass stains and everything else. And I look at that and say like, oh, that's a good day for a boy. <laughs> yeah means they fell off their bike and they, you know, were playing and they were just having a good time. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if, if you're not failing, then probably means you're not trying really hard. Yeah. It means you're playing it too safe. And again, obviously this can be applied pretty broadly here. You can kind of fill in the, your own blanks here, but there should be ways in which you're, you're, you're trying to do things with life. You're trying to learn things. You're trying to um, develop new skills. And whenever you're in that process, there's going to be bumps in the road. Yeah. And the temptation, I think, for a lot of parents, and probably myself included, is to grieve seeing our children fail. And so we want to we fix it. Yeah. But sometimes in the fixing it, all we've really done is curtailed their ability to learn. Yeah. And after a certain point, like you're fixing it, is more apt to make it worse, not better. I mean, it goes back to like, the, they're not yours principle. You know, you have to go, okay, God, um, you are sovereign. Even as my kid is making choices that are foolish or potentially harmful, I'm going to trust you. Doesn't mean you sit on your hands and do nothing. You I mean, I think you can have a conversation, but that goes back to the relationship bank part. Well, you've been listening to Matt and Kevin Talk Church. Uh, we, as we have been giving advice 
to college students and to just people about how to navigate uh, their lives, really. And why you should listen to us, I don't know. Um, but I but I hope you've uh, been edified by it. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer or topics you'd like for us to discuss, you can always get in touch with us. You can email, email us at mattandkevintalkchurch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and interact with us there. Handle is Matt and Kevin Talk Church. In fact, if you've got like advice for college students, shoot it to us on Twitter. If, if there's stuff we missed, let us know. And I'm sure there is. Yeah. So that being said, I'm Matt. And I'm Kevin. And we've been talking church and trying to give out some advice for those lazy, hazy, crazy college days. Be warm and be fed. Be warm and be fed.